Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DougSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm party. And Jake LaTontis. I am bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me this week, Bill Cooksey, Jeff Foles for another chapter in Redemption. Guys, how are you? Doing well. man. How you doing? It is it's seventy two here, right, Jeff? What is it in Illinois? Oh, it's probably right now. It's probably eighty one, eighty two. But it's been, uh, you know, a hundred. But it's man, this week here, this morning, it was like sixty. So it was, yeah, it's been, it's nice. I don't know if it's going to hit it. It may be right seventy nine or eighty right here. It's awesome. Wow. How is it cooler in Oxford than it is in Illinois? It's seventy two or three here. Know. I don't know. Probably because the gas taxes went up and uh, <laughs> license plate taxes and all that went up. That's why that, that brings a lot of heat out of everybody. <laughs> right this minute, it's 75 in Memphis. Wow. That's awesome. I'm loving how come it. it. How come it was never 75 in Memphis, Memphis during the DU festivals they used to Oof. have? It was 100, 175, I think. At night. <laughs> 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 it was it was guaranteed hot and brutal hot every year. Yeah, and it was one an of the early few places. I, one of the few places I sweated riding a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> I've sweated a lot when I stopped. <laughs> I, I think the the best year they had weather wise was probably the first DU festival. It wasn't as hot. Right. Right. And yeah. I remember it wasn't year. that. It wasn't that brutal. But, uh, heck, I've been to Minnesota up there, you know, the, the ones in Oshkosh when they had it up there when it was hot, you know, super hot, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has their times. So, uh, but, yeah, it's, that yeah, it's de- super Man, nice that, de- that, that thing used to be huge, didn't it? The one in Memphis? Yeah, the one in Memphis. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the one there in Oshkosh did. Yeah, they're the hugest, biggest shows of the year, you know. I mean, it was awesome, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it would be. It would be people, if the gates opened at 9 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, the lines were forming and they were long. And I remember looking looking back here and said, get ready, boys, and open this gate. We're getting flooded, you know. So, yeah, I was, it, was, it was unbelievable. Both of them were. I remember when I was, the first time I went to Oshkosh, and I look up and there's Warren Coco with with his go double set out. And I said, you really mm-hmm. come all the way up here? and because yeah. he didn't do the Memphis show, but he didn't do Memphis because he had such a dealer network around Memphis. Right, right. And he said, I, he said, I'll sell more boats direct up here than I do anything else I do during the year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember that was the first time I talked to that man. It was up there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was a uh, man, it was quite it was kind of an ordeal. I mean, we had uh two weekends of game fair in Minnesota. And then the next week, which was just brutal on your supplies, you know, you'd run out of it, I think. And the next weekend was Oshkosh. So, I mean, it was just crazy calling during the week to get more stuff coming and, you know, to sell. It was it was awesome. You know, it was a really good deal. And finally at Oshkosh, uh, the last two years, um, boy, Clay Connor got so mad at me. At every, he got mad at me. We're good friends with my gosh, that man get mad at me. He, was, uh, he got mad at me at Memphis because I left Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I just that. backed it up and left. I think it was the last one they had. It was. And and uh, it was just, you know. But uh, then he got mad because I was taking up, I rented, I think, three booth spaces. They had a row for callers up at Oshkosh. Remember that? Yeah. And uh, I'd rented three booth spaces, and I was selling uh, uh, Final Approach blinds, and I had them sitting outside that deal. Oh, my gosh, he was hot about it. You can't do that. You can't do this. Well, where am I going to do it? Well, I mean, finally, I bought a 40 by 40 space across the tent the next year, and then we were best buddies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's always looking at me after that. Because, oh, gosh, he goes, do not leave early. I said, okay, all right, I'll stay. <laughs> Only did it once. I was hot and tired, and nobody was here, and I was ready to go home. But yeah, I was, I'll, I'll be interested to see what next spring in Dallas brings with the DU Festival they're putting together. The the only reason I think it will is because the guy, the president of that racetrack, is a good Robert Amage is a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I go down to all the races down there. Puts me up in the suite, and I, in fact, I stay in the suite with him at night. You know, we, you know, we he, he lets me uh, have a uh, bed in there. So, uh, yeah, he's he's jacked about this, and he will keep things jacked up, pumped up, much as he can. He he he's a no nonsense guy, super good guy, and he's a duck hunter. You know, he's a big hunter, so he's come up and gone hunting with me before. But it, it, I would say he told me. When they were planning this, he said, if all goes right the way it is, and I don't know if you've been to that track before, it's big. It's it's a monster down there. And, I've driven uh, by. Yeah, it is a big, big, big place. And they get, that's where the they call it the, the Hoss is the, the biggest TV in the world down there. So I don't know. Because he had called me and got a hold of me. Now, he hasn't in a while, but he he goes, what about a calling contest? What do you think about that? Would you come run that? Would you do whatever? I said, yeah, it would for you, you know. So I don't know what's going on. I haven't talked to him a long time. I'll see him in November so uh, at the races, and but I don't know. You know, But I would have to say, you know, everything's big in Texas, so I'd have to say that one's going to be, you know, might be, it might be a good one. So. Could be um, Arkansas to draw some folks from there, Louisiana to draw some folks from there. Right. Um, I'll say know. this. The coach from Northwestern State, uh, or Northwestern, it's not Northwestern State, but Northwestern That's in the terrible. Big Ten, uh, had his news conference last week. And this, mm-hmm. this goes along with what, what I'm about to say, but he in his news conference, was asked about young people these days. Why the I guess he was really asked about the participation rate when it came to football games themselves, physical participation rate, why the numbers are going down. And he said that his reasoning was, he goes into this long, detailed story about being on a date with his wife, the couples around him, 
course, we all see this every restaurant we go to, but everybody's not even talking to each other. There's no interaction. Mm-hmm. They're they're on their phone, just sitting there phone. staring at the waiting on the food, staring at their phone. Mm-hmm. He said the same thing's going on in football, and I would translate it over to these these events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's just these young kids have so much access to technology that the participation rate in any of these events are just going to keep declining and not get any better. Now, I, see I, so many, I, I see so many of these festivals going down is what I'm trying to say. Oh, they all are. I mean, these shows are horrible. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You know, these shows are terrible anymore. I mean, I don't do a tenth of what I used to do. You know, they're just they're tough. In fact, I'm going to Rogers this weekend and, and next weekend, you know, to their big deal over there. And the second weekend will be good. But last year I went to the first one they had, and, man, it was just like, we weren't even, I mean, not selling nothing. And poor Alty Lanham's next to me. I think I don't think he even sold anything, you know. And it, so I'm thinking now, I'm thinking, man, what a nice Harley ride that would be about four hours. I might just do that, you know, rather than pack a bunch of stuff over there and judge the contest and come home. But, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's uh, it's a tough, tough scenario anymore. I mean, now Rogers usually draws a crowd the next one because of a big sale. The Presley's will on theirs, a big sale and all that. But just a show... You know, and I, I said it once before. I did the, probably the best-selling one, including the you know Oshkosh was always good, Memphis was good, but including those, the best-selling one I always had was was Game Fair in Minnesota, and I mean, golly, there was like aisles between booths down there, and and uh, like golf cart paths, you know, with blacktop down through there between tents, and you used to couldn't walk to go to the bathroom. I mean, you better time yourself or you're going to go in your pants to get there, you know. And now you can swing a dead cat out there and not hit nobody for 100 yards, you know. I mean, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's, it, uh, it, it's If they're not, able to get a solid, big group of vendors with good, well-priced merchandise, you know, sale price stuff and all, mm-hmm. the show will do well. That's the key. If you get enough really good vendors who are there to move merchandise so people leave with stuff, mm-hmm. then they feel like and, and all those side events, you know, like we've had in Memphis at least, the, you know, the gun mm-hmm. companies would take you down on the mm-hmm. range at the penal farm. You could right. ride four-wheelers and trucks. Those right. great. All those extra things are wonderful um, mm-hmm. to bring families out, and, and mm-hmm. hopefully it's successful for them. As far as the, the vendor part of it, I think that's been a big issue for a lot of these shows is just drawing enough truly viable vendors so people feel like they had a, a an experience, a successful shopping experience. I hate to put it that way, cause I, but, but it's a fact. And the first few years of the DU Festival here in Memphis, you know, all these manufacturers were there. Avery was there. Herders was there. Um, mm-hmm. Max was there, and, and everyone's blowing stuff out. Um, I, I remember I, at the first DU Festival, I bought a Columbia jacket from mm-hmm. uh, Outlaw from for a hundred dollars. Columbia mm-hmm. Quad Park or Widgeon Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was just stuff like that everywhere. And but then Bill, that, that was right. in two thousand, two thousand one, ninety nine. So that them eras like that. Okay, since that since that deal though. Since that that whole deal is in the last, mm, and it ain't been that many years. I mean, everybody thinks it's a lot of time, but it ain't. It's like five or six years. 
the mm-hmm. last five or six years, why would you go to, I mean, I'm not beating nobody up over this, well, why would you go to a show, pay $15 a piece to get into it, pay six, eight bucks for a hamburger, $3 for soda, pay for all this stuff for you, and bring your whole family and do this, and walk in there and then have to pack a bunch of decoys and stuff away. When you can get on the, online, you can get online, and Rogers has a, a sale, and if you're on their email deal, you'll get something every day, a sale, and ship free to your house, not have to deal with it, just as cheap. So that's the era we live in, you know, and it's not well, just Rogers, it's a lot of them. You know what I mean? I find myself doing it, and I swore I wouldn't, I said, but I was just on, I, I parked from my truck here, and I, I just get on Amazon and get it, you know I mean? Days. I got two Absolutely. struts sent here from my front of my truck up there yesterday. They come two two days. They came here. These things are heavy, coil coil spring struts or whatever on this thing. Shipped them free two days, and I got on there and I can't even touch them at any other anywhere else. You know, for that kind of money. You know, and he's like, "Why would anybody do that?" You know, I mean, I, I, well, that, I see that, what they're. That, that comes into account with what I'm talking about. If, if there right. are enough really good, especially if they can get manufacturers there, you know. If, well, like you get, yeah, exactly. So Rogers, you, for example, Fred Job would come up there the last, oh, he came up there for like two years of game fair. First year he did really good and all that. So second year he comes, and he's taken, he's not even bringing anything. He's not even got much stuff. He might have a van full of stuff. That's it. Something he really wanted to blow out. The rest of it is all, we'll just take your order here. We're having a big online mm-hmm. sale here and do it, take your order. Until the tax guy come around and go, oh, no, you got to pay tax on everything for your day. He's like, I, he pulled out, left, you know. Because right. at that time, at that time, you did not have to pay taxes shipping out of state, you know. So, but I'm telling you right now, I mean, it is, it, it, it's a whole, with this Amazon and, well, you know, and I'm not. I love the Rogers people, you know, and what they're doing. They've helped a lot of hunters out. But that has just changed it, you know. Sure does. I mean, that it is totally, totally. And I'll say, like Game Fair, you know. I mean, I did. I thought that was the last one. I know I keep talking about, it, but that was like the last one. It was the best show I ever did. And if if I told you what we used to do up there in, a, in two weekends, you wouldn't believe me. But and I, you know, friends up there and all that. But that you that thing's been going on for. 40 years, whatever's been going on, and they got the same hamburger, same walleye stand, same everything they had, same venue. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't change. So yeah. people quit going, you know. So if you want to watch somebody bring their dog, walk their dog around, you know, and go jump their dog in a water deal or run, they got several different <laughs> ones of them, it's a great place to go now. But if you want to sell something, it's horrible anymore. I just say that in, within 20 years, there's not going to be any left. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's 20. I don't think it's 20 at all. I've got, uh, you you said about the manufacturers up there. I seen Bandit did that. They were right next to me and they'd blow stuff out, you know, and get a big, you know, a big crowd. But they even quit, you know, because Mm -hmm. a lot of it's just just getting into the place, you know. You know, and you can talk to customers, you know, and and a lot of them say, oh, well, the only reason I come is get my call tuned or something, you know. But I don't know. I I, want to propose to you something. All right, so. You go to these events, you, your interaction with people, as it is right now, it's still a lot of handshaking, a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. And I think that communication skills are 
quickly, quickly getting away from us. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the main reasons. Mm-hmm. The, that's a part you know, of this, part co- of this, this coach goes into to talking about even to the detail of tailgating. Nobody's participating mm-hmm. in tailgating. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was when I was a young person, 18, Basically. 20 years old, going to a tailgate with my mom and dad, you would interact with the other adults around there. Mm-hmm. You may you may go sneak a, a beer while they weren't looking into right. the bushes, right. mm-hmm. and and come back and interact with people. But what I'm saying is, God, I sound like an old man. Y'all, y'all just get. I have the old man syndrome today. But as far as the interaction of the younger crowd, and I'm talking even thirty years and younger. It's not there. It's not wow. about. It, it, there's no visit visiting at all with this no, crowd. It's, uh-uh. it's even at a contest. You know, you can see that in the background. You know, as of uh, you can see that in the background. You know, even in a bullpen. You know, if they don't take the phones away, that's all they're doing. Texting. You know, back there. You <laughs> know, and there's not that much interaction. And most of them guys, you know, has got to where they leave. And the contest used to be a big draw. It was a major draw to all these events, you know, and that's not a big draw anymore. It's no, nothing no. Like that, you know, I mean, we were we were talking about that before you came on the air, actually. Yeah, we just talked. Like, a guy called me, and I won't tell you who it is. A dealer, he's one of my dealers in Arkansas, and we were talking about the world down there. I think it's awesome and all that, but there's 60 guys in that because there's 60, you know, regionals and states, whatever. You take that away. Take that away and say you didn't go and have that state or regional. How many callers would come there for the world championship if it was run like the World Goose? It's an interesting question. It's it, How many guys would come there? And, and I've said it because it used to be, and the reason I think this is going down, and I'm not taking nothing away because I love to listen to that. Most people don't want to go out there and listen to 60 screaming duck callers like that. I love it. You love it, Bill. We all like that because we know what we're listening for. But most people, oh, God, it's annoying, you know. But They, they hear a hail call and they tune it out. They're done. Out the door. I've had enough of this. They're gone. So the, to show what this has done, and that's what I would, I would like to see. I mean, I'm, I'm glad, in one, one sense, I'm glad we don't never do that, so we'll keep that contest big. But, and the world goose used to be 60, 65 people all the time. I've waited an hour, an hour and 15 minutes to call. Which is why you, took a they nap. ran two nights to begin with. They'd run two nights. Well, they still do, but they, right. but they, but they run, that's and that's just a tradition now. Not my tradition. I don't, I'm not going to say I never did, but whatever. <laughs> I think there's too much, there's too much time lapse there so, sure there for is. me. But so anyway, um, but, yeah, you have 60, 65 callers, and you'd wait all this time to blow. And the auditorium, you could not get another person in that. They were standing room only. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. And now, you know, and, and, and it, I'm going to say 20, 20, 25 would be a big number probably. If they ever hit 30, it would be monsters, you know, probably. And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm real close on this. And I've I seen here a few years back, I think it was 22 or 23. And... I'm like, my gosh, what's happened here? You know, so, and and the audience, you can sit in three chairs, you know, you got anywhere you want to sit now and cock your feet up on the next chair in front of you because you got plenty of room, you know. It's just all, 
and and you're, maybe your guy's right. Maybe it's just too interaction, you know, too much, you know. It's it's just a different world, you know, with that. But I mean, and I, with that, that happening, that show went down. That show went down the hill. And I'll give you another little example here. I just I just listened to this last night on. I don't know. You guys are NASCAR fans. I'm ate up with it, as you probably well know. But so I'm really watching this all the time. And every day, my I listen to Sirius XM, the NASCAR channel. So as everybody knows, those. That's, it's happening every in every sport. It's happening in NASCAR. You know, the stages aren't full or whatever. And they probably have now. Well, racing ain't what it used to be. Racing ain't what you used to go to a race, and Richard Petty would win by 14 laps, and maybe two other guys would be on the same lap. Follow what I'm saying? And now mm-hmm. you've got out of 48 cars, you've got 32 of them on the lead lap, and they're racing pretty good. They've changed the whole program, and the stands are still, you know, not full. So, I mean, they're probably as full as any sport, and nobody kneels, and everybody prays before the thing. So, to me, it's an awesome deal. But, uh, but it's still, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, like you said, it's a technology. Maybe it's uh, not enough communication between people, whatever you know. But uh, yeah, it's, it, they're all it's all changing like that. And, and I hate to say old, and when we talk old, we think if we're talking forty years ago. This is just ten, twelve years. This has happened. Pat Fitzgerald is, I think, has a little bit of a skewed view because Northwestern is in Chicago, so mm-hmm. it's not like a typical college town. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like Oxford or Knoxville or you know Fayetteville or you know the places where college football really is the big thing in that area. Um, if I wanted to own a college football team, I'd be down there. I'd be down there, Rocky's best friend down there. <laughs> <laughs> But, I never see nothing like you guys in college football. That's nuts. But attendance is down. At, <laughs> attendance it's is the down craziest thing I've saw in my entire life. I mean, attendance is down, and it, it's too good at home nowadays. It is crazy how it's crazy how how how, how that you guys are football fans down there. I've never seen it like it. I just want you to pay attention to one thing this week. I want to say this. Pay attention if you if you meet and talk to somebody between the ages of eighteen and thirty. Watch how awkward it is to them to communicate something to you. Watch just watch it. Watch their body language as they try to explain something and they're not mm-hmm. typing it. Mm-hmm. It 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 would you really pay attention to the detail and think back on how you were. You see, I think you'll see. It's kind of awkward, man. This is weird. But anyway, well, it's pretty easy. No, I won't say anyway. hide behind. But it's pretty easy to be behind a text and say anything you want to say. You know, I, I mean, agree. you can say anything, any way you want to. It'll spell check you, do whatever. That's it's the easiest thing. Snapchat's probably the fastest, you know, biggest thing there is with kids. But uh, yeah, I agree. But. They're all, and I don't get it. Well, why didn't you just text me? Well, it's easier on Snapchat. So you know, so it's, yeah. So um, it's technology, and I get, we, and it's not going to change. So you be, we better learn to live with it. <laughs> Although I could see a blowback coming. I mean, eventually people need each other. You know, we all mm-hmm. have that need for for true interaction, and eventually mm-hmm. the electronic has to become hollow for most people. Right. Right. I hope so. I, I really do. I hope it all goes back to it, myself. It's an empty box, man. It is. I'm as crazy as this may sound. I've had thoughts in the past week or two to to get away from it completely. Mm-hmm. It's 
crazy as that sounds. Well, if we had no email and no cell phone, we wouldn't know we needed them. But yeah, and and (laughs) what we're talking about right here, what we what this is all what this redemption thing is all about. I lost mine for thirteen months. Didn't have one. Didn't have any of that. So it's a whole new uh, yeah, and and you get used to it pretty quick. And uh, yeah, it's. It's, it wouldn't be that hard to go back. I, but I, when I got out, what was the first thing I went and got? My cell phone, you know? <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> but, yeah, but you get used to it. But it was mainly because you couldn't. The problem was, you know, I think the telephone part of a cell phone is not the bad thing, you know, talking to people like that. It's, uh, you know, the text and, uh, you know, Snapchat and all that's what's taken away. But, yeah, we and probably my biggest deal down there was I think we had 300 minutes a month. 300 minutes a month you could you could pay for. It wasn't cheap, and so yeah. and you could only talk for 10, 15 minutes and it cut you off. And it was a standing line at an old and the guards watch you every evening. You could use the phone, but it was a standing line at night to use your phone. And uh, you better not be on there too long because the guy behind you is one on. It was an old payphone style thing, you know. And they listen to every word you say, you know, so you got to watch what you say. But, um, but yeah, and you think that sounds like a huge number. Give yourself or your kid 300 minutes and see how long that lasts. No time. No time. No time at all. Gone. Gone. No time. You know, out of 30 days, it's gone no time. I was, I, at the end of the month, I'd been out for 10, 15 days. Yeah, it was, yeah. And you were dying to get some more, yeah. So you wrote a lot well, of Well, last week. Yeah, well, last week, Jeff, you know, I, I knew that from from my standpoint, as I was a part of it and asking questions, it was good. For the middle of July, in the dog day, like like Bill says, the dog days of summer, the numbers were really good. Tons of people listening to last week's podcast. I mean, it was a... It was a great episode. Um, but last week when we left, you know, there's there's a couple of parts of this story to be told when it comes to the redemption story. One of them being the whole. A man that was convicted of misdemeanors, thrown in jail for 13 months, and gets thrown in the hole <coughs> for part of it. I think that's a great place to start today is uh, talking about the time in the hole. Well, I'll back this up just a little bit. Uh, There was one thing I forgot to tell last week. One day I was in, and because when you say the hole, you're thinking, man, he must have been bad. He must have stabbed somebody. He must have done this, done that. No. And I didn't use a cell phone. That was the first way to get in the hole. But one day I was having lunch. And it was probably three months into this. Right after lunch, um, I got a call. They got a call on intercom. Seventeen four thirty nine foils. Get to Chamnus's office. Chamnus's assistant warden. I thought, oh my gosh, that's a phone call you don't want to get. See, so I go up there, get my ID card, head up there, get to the. He's a big old boy. And uh, I, I guess I had that look on my face like, what in the hell am I doing here, you know? So anyway, he let me in. He goes, hey, 
no problem here. I just got to ask you a question. He said, he said, we have mutual friends. I said, and he said, I go to church with. I said, oh, yeah, who's that? And he said, Doogie Fox. Oh, yeah, man, I've guided with Doogie before. He married uh, Brandy Dunn, you know, Dunn Sporting Goods up there. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, yeah, Doogie's a great guy. And he told me at church, you got one of my buddies up there, make sure he don't get hurt. And he goes, well, I can't do nothing for you. He said, I'm just, but I'm going to tell you, just do what you're doing and keep your nose clean. And uh, all's good. And he goes, and I've watched you. He goes, dude, you don't do nothing but work out for seven hours a day. And they know every minute what you're doing. Yeah, so, and I said, yeah, yeah. I said, is there a problem here or something? He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I've just got to ask you, who in the hell did you piss off to get in here? I said, I got that same question asked when I walked in the gate. He goes, dude, I've read your whole thing. It's right here on my computer in front of me. And uh, he said, I've read your whole deal. And he said, I don't get this. And I said, well, here's why I'm under a gag order. I can't. I know you are. Just tell. He goes, your ex-old lady did this, this. I said, yep, that's the whole deal. He goes, do you know how much most of these drug dealers and rapists and all this, how much they got in it, tied up in that case? And I said, I have a clue. And he goes, maybe 100000 150 something like that, 200 maybe tops. Do you know what they spent on yours? And I said, no, sir, I have no idea. I said, he goes, just take a guess. And I go, well, maybe about the same. I don't know. And he started laughing. He, put, he said, I can't tell you, but I can show you. He pushed the computer around and pointed to it, $2.55 million. He said, dude, it cost me $58,000 to house you here. 13 months you're going to be here. He said, and you paid a $100,000 fine. He said, so that's only $42,000 coming back out of $2.55 million. He goes, what is going on here, you know? And I said, dude, I'm our gag order. I can't tell you. He goes, well, all I'm telling you, keep doing what you're doing. Keep your nose clean. You'll get out on time. Everything will be good, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, if you need anything, well, I said, dude, I'm not a rat. Am I going to do none of this? I've had enough rats in my life. I'm not asking to be. I'm just telling you. So okay. And that was the end of the deal. Okay, and this guy was the assistant warden. Later on, I have... 54 days left to go. It's so hot outside you can't breathe. It's like it was last week. And I guess it was August. It was in August sometime. First August. About the same time. Anyway, so I was running. Uh, by this time, I went to all these exercise deals, and we would do this insanity program in the afternoons. Did it four times. You ever do? You ever seen that or done that? Anybody out there has done it. It's, it, it is. It's insane. You want to lose weight fast? Do that every day, and I'm guaranteeing you'll lose it. But anyway, so we're doing this <laughs> in an app class, and all of a sudden, 2.30 in the afternoon, we'd had a little wreck time. We could go do this. They call, they call an intercom, 17.439, foils get to, you know, come to the horseshoe, which was the guards deal. Like, what in the heck? This is way weird to become at this time. Now, this is months since I've seen this other guy, you know. So, so anyway, called up there, and they said, go down, get your greens on, get your card, going across the street i go for what said the uh, colonel wants to talk to you i go boy what about i don't know get your stuff and come back up here all right hurried up and man i'm just a wreck i don't know what's going on i don't know what to do i don't know what to say to anybody whatever and everybody you know a couple of them said where are you going i "I don't know going across the street well i ain't good all right so i go across the street and and they take me into the big deal walking these big steps up in this into this um main part of the prison right there, and as soon as I got out of the van, they took me on, they handcuffed me. 
I said, what's going on? So anyway, when they brought me to the door, the one guard let me goose, and the other guard opened the door and let me in, and he said, and I knew the guy. He goes, dude, what did you do? Do you know how it is down in that hole? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm supposed to be talking to a colonel. Oh, you're, he goes, you're, not, you're going to the hole. I go, no, I'm not going nowhere. You're going to shoot me dead until I talk to that colonel. And uh, he goes, I'll let you talk to him. It ain't going to be pretty. I go over there, and this guy says, and boy, he was a number one typical egotistical prison guard. Most of them are really good. This was the one you all think about right here. I mean, he, you could have put it up. You know, he could be in the He's from the movies, this guy. He's a wannabe in the movies, I'll put it that way. So he calls me over there. I said, hey, dude, what they said I'm supposed to talk to you? He goes, I ain't talking to you about nothing. You're under investigation. Take him out of here. Well, for, for what? I can't tell you. You're under investigation. Don't worry about it. He's headed to the hole. He said, shower him up, get him in the hole. And I'm freaking. All I've heard is the horror stories of the hole. People's been there for 40 days, come back, you know, got out and stuff. So... I am freaking out. So he's and now you go through four layers of the bad of the bad prisoners to get to the hole. And you say the hole, you're in the basement, you're in the bottom. So anyway, they're all, hey man, you go to the hole, you know, you're screaming and hollering and all this here and down there. So they throw you in a shower, and behind you there's a gate, uh, you know, bars. And then you stick your hands through, they lock it, and they stick your hands through the bars right there, and then they. Uh, uncuff you and strip down get your clothes off so you strip strip down to nothing you know take a shower we'll be right in so they do that and they stand there and watch you so you know it's pretty degrading but you know to say the least so you do that and they come in and they and they, they pretty much check you you bend over you do everything they're checking you and then okay and then they they give you uh one pair it was a pair of uh Orange, like somebody cut off the legs, pants, shorts, like deal. It was too big, and uh, a T-shirt, and a pair of like uh, sandals, like uh, you know, shower shoes or whatever. That's it. All you get to, they take you over there, and when you start to walk down that line of those hundred and some uh, cells down through there, whatever there is, a bunch of them. When you start, there's several different locations. They're all around in a circle. All these cells are, and when they talk. You know, they bring you through there, and you start to walk. Oh, no, get on this side. Well, you got to walk on the cell side as you're walking down through there with the guard. Well, he's got your arm with your handcuff behind your back. He takes you down there because you know you know why you're on that side? You so you don't get crap, on you. Crap, crap throat on you. So he doesn't. So mm-hmm. take me down there, throw me in a 7-by-10 cell. It just happened to be with a buddy of mine that was uh, uh, a guy had gotten a hole for a fight and we was talking about last week in the laundry room, and there's two of us now in this one cell. And he's looking at me and going, what are you in here for? I said, I have no clue. Dude, you got to know. I said, they told me I'm under investigation. I am freaking out, you know. So he goes, well, I better get used to this. And, I mean, just sweat. It is so hot in there, it's unbelievable. And this cell is this, it's this concrete. It's solid concrete, seven seven by ten, I think it is, and it's no bigger than that. And uh, then you got the bars, the doors, the front of us, the bars and the doors right there. And so uh, that's it, man. You get thrown in there. There's two bunks, and the bottom bunk solid concrete, and you got a mat that you can lay on that's about half inch thick, tops, and like a workout mat, 
that's your cot on top of the concrete, and no pillow, and that's it right there. And then up above, up there, they got a steel, angle iron steel structure goes up there, and a steel one up there with the same thing that you lay on steel. And that's two of you in this thing. Got one stool right there, right next to you. Now, it's only seven foot wide, and above that's a sink that barely works. So stainless steel deal. You look around here, and you know what the only other thing they give you? Your Bible. And if you were lucky enough to have a transistor radio, a little bitty earphone deal, they'd give you that. But the only way it'd work, if you'd take it and hold it against the stool, you'd get some static once in a while. And you maybe get a little piece of one station, so that was garbage, and you couldn't get another battery for it once that one dead, so you were done with that anyway, so that was garbage. So, what that was it. What would you do all day? Well... You, 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 at first you just freak out for you freak out the first few days like what am I doing here? And luckily, praise the Lord, I had somebody in there with me. You know, I could at least talk to. You know, well then after that's how full the hole was. They had two of us in there, and then after a few days, they moved me. There was an open cell down there, and they moved me down the line, and I was by myself the rest of the time. And uh, and then every I don't know, it was every every seven days I think if they moved seven or nine days. They moved you in case you were trying to dig your way out or make a shank out of something or doing whatever. You moved to another cell. Well, when you get my cell, with nothing to do, was shining all the time. So if you might move to one if somebody just took crap on the floor or something. I mean, this is an, you're, you're you're living with animals at this point. So and every Tuesday, every Tuesday, uh, down through here, here come the guards. Here come the guards walking through, the warden had walked through, and all her cronies. And then here come his assistant warden had walked through, and then here come a counselor. And they walked through and look at you like a, like you would a pet store at puppies in a cage. And so I'm stopping them, and every time that colonel comes, I said, come on, dude, what am I in here for? Because I told you you're under investigation, you ain't getting nothing else. And finally, about the second week, that uh, Chamnus guy come through there, and I said, what? He goes, I'll tell you when you get out of here. He goes, all y'all know is you're on investigation. So... Anyway, I'm sitting there, and knowing I had 54 days till I get out of this joint, you know, until I get out of prison. And maybe I might not get out now. You know, I'll be lucky if I do get out in 54 days, you know, because that was my out date. Well, you knew what day it was. Luckily, I knew how many uh, uh, months or days were in a month. So, and you had a pen, and you could get paper and envelopes. And you had it. You could have, you could buy stamps. You could just few things you could get on commissary. Stamps is one of them. You could always get them. That's all they'd let me buy. Uh, and I didn't know why they let others buy stuff and let others go for a phone deal or whatever. Talk to their through a glass to talk to their family or something. I never got to do that once. And they give you a pen that was about three inches long. And the reason they give you that is because you wouldn't make a shank out of a long one, see. And so I mean, here this this is a bad deal. So you could write a letter all the letters you want to, or I could take that, I'd take that uh, piece of paper, and the first thing I did was made me a calendar. And I thought, how am I going to stick this on a, how are you going, so how would you stick a piece of paper if you didn't have anything, how would you stick it on the concrete wall where you could see it? And you ain't got nothing. You got toothpaste, that worked, so I used that, it was like glue, the toothpaste so bad it was like glue. So... I used it and stuck it on the wall, and you had to hide it so when the guards looking in, they don't see nothing like that, so you ain't supposed to put nothing on the wall. And they wouldn't mess with that too much. But above us, above at the top of the bunk was a little vent up there, 
and the air would blow straight out. So you want it to blow down on your bed a little bit. So I'd glue them papers up there, put two or three of them together with toothpaste. I'd glue them together so that they'd knock the air down. On Tuesday, here come the warden, take that down, I want it out of here, you know. I mean, that's how brutal it was. It was, it was. it was no, and then the colonel come down one day. I've been there about a week, and here he come down. He goes, Foils, I'm going to tell you one time, you're not going to see anybody. You're not going to have family come here. You get no phone calls. You're not going to see them. Your letters are going to take seven to two weeks, seven days to two weeks to get out of here after we go through them. They'll take that long to get back to you. Uh, we got to go through them and all that. And he said, if you can tell your lawyer, this is this is federal prison. This ain't state. This ain't la la land. This ain't the jail across from his office. This is federal. He has no rights there. This is ours. This is our need. Uh, well, you call it an entity or whatever. This is our own deal, basically. And he don't mean crap here. So you can tell him to quit making the phone calls. So and he goes there and he said something like we have already have or something. So so basically. What happened was nobody knew where I was. I had communication with my family, you know. I could call about every three or four days, or they come down every two weeks to see me on a Saturday. But they would, uh, uh, but, they, but they, all of a sudden, Jeff just disappeared, and nobody knows where he's at. Nobody. So they're freaking wow. out. So who do they? They call the lawyer. So the lawyer sure. calls down there, and all their time he's in a hole, and that's the end of it, and he's under investigation. They told him the same thing they did me. Nothing. So, so nothing passed. Nothing passed the point of investigation. That's in it. Their that's explanation. That's it. Nothing. Zero. So seven days a week, twenty-four-seven. You're in this hole, sweating. Blah blah blah. You're doing all this. What do you think? Where do you think your mind's at? You're thinking the whole time. You're racking your brain. Did I say something on the phone? Did I put something in a letter? Did I do something here? Did I do Because they know everything goes in and out. So there's no way of doing nothing wrong that way. I'm like, dude, I didn't do nothing. I didn't use a cell phone. I didn't say nothing wrong. There's nothing. Well, you know, they let us use that email, you know, about once a week. So did I say something wrong there? And I'm thinking, no. Well, maybe they're figuring I'm trying to run a business through here or doing something. I don't know, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, you don't know what you did bad enough to be in a hole. That was the worst. Even through all the pain, the mind games that would play on you and all that there, that was the worst right there. I mean, it's just wondering why I'm here. Yeah. So life in there was uh, every for, – for three days out of the week, I remember the first day they walked by my bunk about 10 o'clock, and they go, wreck, two guards did that bring you your food. Wreck, and I didn't know what to wreck. I don't know what to talk about. They just passed me up. Next thing I know, about 40 minutes, here they come. The guards are coming with prisoners and long. Out they go. They come back. I go, where'd you guys go? You know, you could yell down to the next one. Man, when they say wreck, you say, yeah, you can get outside of here. And I go, where are you going? It's, oh, they got a cage out there you can walk around in. So I didn't miss that no more. <laughs> so what that was. They take you outside to handcuff you, take you outside, and there was three cages. One was for child molesters, one was for terrorists, and one was for everybody else. And so we were in the everybody else deal. So they turn you loose in there, unlock the gate, big, tall, chain-link fence with razor wire across the top up between two buildings, and you had a 30-foot square. You could, you could do, you just stand there. You'd walk around, and you couldn't do anything. And I think it's 200, I'm, I'm probably wrong, 
But I have figured it up. It was 30 by 30 if you walk around that, 200 and some laps or something to mile. I forget what it was, but I had it figured out at the time. So you do push-ups and you do walk, you do, you know, and that was it. And you got to stay out there 45 minutes. Now, if it started raining or come a thunderstorm, you're staying 45 minutes. I don't care what happened. Of course, we didn't care. You know, we just glad to be out the door. And then back in you go. And uh, then it's lunchtime for that awesome lunch you'd get. You know, so... And that was a big part of it, you know. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier about grit. You guys haven't eaten grits all the time. I love grits. Try eating mm-hmm. things for 54 days. Cheesy, runny, soupy grits for breakfast for 54 days. Try that. Oof. See how good you like grits. <laughs> you appreciate good ones. <laughs> and then you eat a lot of rice. And one thing they feed you in prison is they feed you a lot of chicken. You get thighs and legs. And you take a bite of them, they're dark. You know how chicken, sometimes you bite into it and the meat's real dark, you know, and the bone's dark? Mm-hmm. And you're like, uh, well, what that is, I found out what this is. So all these things, these legs were a little bitty, like, where did I get these miniature chickens? Some guys started laughing and said, but they get them from Tyson or wherever. And they shoot so many, too many steroids to a lot of these chickens, and they screw them up, and they go too fast, their legs break, and, you know, and all that, and they sell that to prison. So that's where, you know, that's why we ate a lot of chicken. So... <laughs> Ain't a lot of chicken like that, but uh, you ask what what do you do? Uh, well, first thing I do every morning, I wake up. Of course, they wake you up at six with that breakfast. You know, that awesome breakfast. And I swear to God, you're so hungry, you eat it. I mean, you can't wait to get. You cannot wait for a meal. They don't give you much, and that's all you're getting. Whatever they give you. And if there's a piece of bread on there, I would try to wrap that in a piece of. Uh, you know, like writing paper or something, and then the ants would get on it and stuff down there, but you just knock them off and eat it later for your snack because you're hungry, you know. So I went in 195, I come out 162. But anyway, wow. I, uh, but a lot of that is I worked out. So so first thing in the morning, as soon as I ate that there, the exercising started. And I had this on, you know, right below the calendar, and I'd mark this calendar off. You couldn't wait to mark that off every night, you know. And then below that, I had my workout deal like that. And you did, I would, me personally, I would do, um, what would we do, 500 sit-ups. You don't do them all at one time. You do 25 at a time. I'd do 500 sit-ups. I would do 500 leg-ups off the stool. Um, you'd hang on the ba- leg-ups off the back of the bars like that. Um, and then you would do, uh, gosh, the push-ups are crazy. Ju- do 1,000 jumping jacks. And just to tell you the survival in here, I'll tell you a little quick one, right after you're there for a couple, three days, the prisoners do the laundry, and they put it in one of those laundry bag, knit laundry bag, you know, with holes in it, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. with a drawstring sure. on it. Lot, so you put your dirty bag. laundry in that, and your numbers of tags on there, and then they take it, and that's how they wash it, in that knot. So when you get it back, it's in the same knot you left it, you know. So, And you only got, you end up, you got two pairs of shorts and a pair of boxer-type underwears or whatever. You boys ever try to do... Uh, Jumping jacks like that. There's a certain part of our manlyhood down here that don't like that. It beats the sides of your legs off. So you, so you need you need a jock strap. It ain't like they're going to give you one. So I took one of them knit bags, talked one of them prisoners out of that, and I took that and sawed on the concrete back and forth for hours, and finally got that knit apart, made legs in it, tore a piece off the bed sheet, made a, a, a belt, and uh, yeah, that was. I had quite the deal there, man. Do them thousand jumps the extra day. <laughs> I'm trying to make make light of this situation. <laughs> so anyway, 
But one thing they give you, we'll go to the main where this all comes down to. The one thing I told you they give you is your Bible. They give you a Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, the whole thing. Paperback model. So I had already in the other prison I had I had read about oh a few pages of the Old Testament and I went right in and one of the guys said, read the New Testament. I'd read about half of that. So I'd read about half the Bible when I was over at the other place. So I got in there and I thought, after you're there a few days, you see you're not getting out, you better do something. So I would lay there, and it was hot, so you would take a piece of the bed sheet or a pillow, you know, or, or a, the piece of the bed sheet or your T-shirt, and you clean that sink really, or that stool really good. It was stainless steel, and, I, and, and there, that was your sink, your water, that was everything right there. That was everything you got to do, right, because the top don't work. I took an ink pen apart one time and used the plastic part and made that, stuck that in the water fountain deal. You know how water fountains, you push them on, the water just goes down a little bit? Well, I put that, man, it scorched good with one of them on there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, long story, so I started reading the Bible. And I started in the Old Testament, the very first page, and I started my way through it. Now, if you boys read anybody out there read the Bible, you know I don't. You know, and, and I didn't know it till afterwards. You don't really get it till the Holy Spirit sends you. But at that time, you're, you're, you're like reading it back and forth, especially the Old Testament. It's like, my God, I don't understand that. So you just read it again. And so I got plenty of time. So just anyway, long story short, before I got out of there, I read all that, the whole Bible, all the way through. And Psalms, the Book of Psalms, I wore that out at night. You know, just praying for God to get you out of here. Or praying for an answer why I'm in here, you know. Please just, you know, let them see they made a mistake, you know. Get me out of this thing, you know. And, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, uh, it was, whatever you're thinking right now, times that time about 50, you know. And then I would I would read that Bible, I would work out and all that. And the whole time I did all this stuff here, I'm not trying to be, you know, Rocky Balboa or something. That's not what I was trying to do. I was trying to wear myself out to the point of exhaustion. By 10 o'clock, I'm out. I want to be asleep because that's when they all arise in there. You know, they're all up, and they all think there's going to be a rapper when they come out of there. So you listen to rap all the time. You listen to, you know, yelling at child molesters to the – I mean, then you hear the terrorists deal in different languages, and it's just – it's a zoo. A zoo arguing back and forth and yelling, screaming, and you've heard all their stories. You don't want to hear no more. You know what I'm saying? And it's just a, you know, it's a pleasure to hear the guard come or something. I mean, it, it is, you know, it's not the whole. It's just a animalistic zoo. And I always said, man, it's like my dog. When I go look at him in his kennel, I let him out because I'm thinking, man, he's in the same thing I was. You know, I mean, just think about that. Put yourself in, a, in your dog kennel and just stay in there 54 days. So, anyway, about every four or five days, they handcuff you and take you down to the shower, and you can shower. That was a big deal if you could go do that, man. I mean, if you got to shower, that was major, 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 you know, if you got to go do that. Uh, that was a big deal. You look forward to that day. There was no mirrors. They had stainless steel around the walls. You kind of see yourself just a little bit in, the, in you know, in those mirrors. So, I mean, it's hard to tell what you look like, you know. And it ain't like you're, they've sent a barber down to give you a haircut either, you know. So, I mean, you're a mess. But one day... Jeff, go ahead. When, when, you get, when you get through that, I want you to talk about the heat for a minute. Because... Well, it was, um, I th- I it was this two time things. of year. 
two things. I think when we think of prison, we always think, ah, oh, they're just sitting there watching TV in the air conditioner. And second, we get used to our normal lives in an mm-hmm. air conditioner that, man, I just want you to talk about the heat for a minute. Well, he said, you know, the guy told me it was it was bad. I mean, it was them 110 heat the next days down there. It was hot. And, uh, you know, on the outside here, like right now, I got a fan blowing on me. I pop on the air conditioner, pops on once in a while, whatever. If you, but if you're somewhere, you know, just open a window, you know. At least you get a little air or something, you know, open a window. Do a, None of this. You're in a concrete box. That ain't happening. You're not getting nothing. The only thing open to anything is the front of your cell out there, and you can see that aisleway right there. So the heat, you would sit there. I'd sit there on that bunk doing nothing. And you and and I'm not a sweater. How about now? Is that better? Can you hear me there? Now I got you. Okay. So you would sit there doing absolutely nothing on your bunk, and it was just running off of you. And I'm not a sweater. I mean, it just run off of you. It was, it was ridiculous, you know. And and uh, you know, you, I drank so much water, but like I said, you ain't getting a drink out of that top part up there. So you think about this. I mean, I hate to even tell you I drink toilet water, but you did. You did what you – and that's – so what do you think you did all day? You just kept throwing that water on you constantly, all day long. When you did work out, it was like a river in your cell. So you had to take, you know, you take your old clothes, you know, and you'd wipe that all up, you know, and use that for a mop inside there and clean it up with that. You know, it was just a – you know, and just constantly pouring water on you, you know, just with your hands, you know, sticking your hands in there and getting water on you, you know. It was, it was just – it was just unbearable. You couldn't hardly sleep, you know. You just sleep and lay there and sweat. But I mean, I guess it's like everything else, you know. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know. So I'm laying there, and uh, then in, it got to be into September. Okay, it's in it's September, and uh, we had a couple cool little nights in there in September. And now we don't have anything but just these shorts. We got a pair of uh, pink socks or orange socks, and you've got them that we never wear. You got them things, and then you've got a T-shirt. Okay. Now the opposite happens. It's September. Okay. Well, when it was hot, I could see across Miss Hall over there, down blowing towards the guard shack, was those big giant stand up on a big stand. Those big fans like you see in a grade school or something. You know what I'm talking about or gymnasium mm-hmm. or something. Big ones. Okay, they had three or four of them over there. They just, oh, just you'd sit there. That made it worse because you could see them running, blowing the opposite way. You know, well, September it got real cold. It got, well, not cold, but it's pretty dang chilly. It's so cold you'd lay with your knees up, cuddled up right there, and I'd take my socks off and I'd use them like for and stick my hand in them, run up my arm to keep your arms arms warm. You know, I mean, it was, it was just it got pretty chilly. Where do you think them fans was then? They turned them and blew them on us. Swear to God, they did. Wow! <laughs> so now we got a breeze. Yeah. So I mean, this is yeah. I mean, nobody. And you think about this. This is the part that I always thought. You know, you sit there and you think about this, and you like, and you, you sit here now and listen to this and go, you know, my God, humans. Who cares? Right now, that same thing's happening. Right now, you think anybody cares? Nobody cares. They're human too. They're God's children too. They messed up. You know, but but they don't have anything. Is they're going through the same thing I went through, and they're going through it for days, you know, like that, you know. But the problem is nobody cares when they're in there. So nobody's gonna do nothing about it. You know. So yeah, it's um, 
it's just, uh, you know, they kind of got their own rules. So, yeah, it's a, you know, I, and I'll give you a, a quick example of that. One night, it was on a uh, Friday night, and they called me to the visiting deal. They had a visiting deal on Friday night from 6 to 9, something like that. So a lot of people's relations come from out of town, spend a weekend. So I never had nobody on Friday night. And they called me one night. Foyle's got a visitor. You know, Foyle's come up here, got a visitor. Okay. So I throw my stuff on and run up there. And I, who's visiting me on a Friday night? And I walked in there. It was Grounds. And, uh, man, he was irate. He wore, if you remember, you never saw him without a pair of knack gear pants on. No. Nope. So no camo inside there. You know, can't wear no camo in there. So they made him go out and change it. He knew every guard in there. So anyway, Grounds comes in and gets changed, and he's, you know, growling about that. And we sat there and talk, 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 talk. And he was late. He wasn't at 6. He come like, he showed up 7.30, quarter 8 or something. We only got an hour or something to talk, you know. Now part of us done because he had changed pants or something. Luckily, he had a pair of shorts or something in that car. I forget what it was. So anyway, this was before the whole. Anyway, so anyway, there you have clocks on the wall. And again, like the ones you'd have in a firehouse or an old grade school or something, them big old clocks right there. I mm-hmm. caught them. I couldn't tell you how many times setting that clock ahead. As soon as the visiting guys would start, they'd set it ahead. They didn't want to set it in there. They wanted it over quick. Because it's 10 minutes till 9, they're yelling at you, which really it's 20 till, say. So, anyway, whatever. You can tell these two guys don't want to be there. Two guards are sitting there watching. So, anyway, I, one, you know, one's a young guy, one's an older guy. And this young guy, he ain't liking this at all. So, they yell, it's time to go. So, most people got up and went within five minutes. You know, well, Grounds, he's telling a big story, and he's talking, and blah, 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 blah. And they yelled it again. And at the last time, I finally go, Tim, you got like two minutes you got to get out of here. Oh, man. All right, so out he goes, grabs his driver's license, out he goes. I was, and so I was the last one there, and you have to put your ID out, and they grab your ID. Now, half the time after the ID, they'll take you in a room and strip search you make sure you're all right. So this guy, now ground still left within time, and they had the clock turned back. But it's still two minutes till nine away. And so this young guard, taller than I am, walks right up there to me, and I mean got nose to nose with me, and you don't say nothing, you're just looking, he said, I'm going to tell you what, Foils, you think this is funny? I don't like that guy anyway. And you think you two's something in here? You're nothing in here. And you ain't going to pull this crap no more. And I go, dude, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, when I tell you guys to leave, you're going to leave. You think we want to sit around here with you scumbags? I mean, he goes through this there, you know. And I said, well, dude, he left on time, you know. you know. And he looked at that, and he looked at me right in the eye and need me as hard as he could right in the crotch. And I just gritted my teeth, and I should have went down, but I didn't. And he goes, there's a lot more where that come from if you don't start respecting us, you know. And I, I, he said, get out of here. So out I went, you know, and then went out and went, oh, you know. Dang near puked. But that's the – you don't think that stuff don't go on. That's kind of their deal. So wow. back, to the, back to the hole. One day our counselor comes by. Lady counselor come by there. She said, this was uh, 45 days in, 40 days into it. My biggest wow. worry now is when I'm getting out of here. So uh, she comes by and she goes, you're going to get out on your time. You're going to get on your right time. And 
you know, make sure you, we can either take, you can have, ride a bus to Springfield, you're going to Springfield to a halfway house, you can ride a bus, you can have somebody get you, this is, you got five hours to do it, blah, 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 this is the date, this is the time, you're going to get out at 8 o'clock on this morning right here, you know. I go, thank you very much. So she goes, and you get here, if somebody comes, I said, somebody will pick me up. Okay, you can wear the clothes. We'll give you clothes to get out here. They can bring you clothes. We can bring your other clothes, whatever. So, uh, whatever, just figure it out between now and then. So about three days after that was a Tuesday guard day for him to walk by, and here walks this Camden guy, the assistant warden. And he waited till everybody walked past. He goes, you're getting out of here. And I go, what the heck am I in here for? And he said, I'll let you know when you get out. So... Now I know I'm getting out. I'm a happy camper. I'm writing letters. I'm getting out. You pick me up here. Pick me up, blah, 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 blah. So I got one day. I'm going to get out on Wednesday, and this was Tuesday, and it's Tuesday's the day we were out on the wreck deal. So Tuesday's the day the guards come by. We just happened to be out there, and here he come. And, man, all I've been thinking about is this guy coming by there. I want to know why. And so he come by and by there, and I said, you told me you'd tell me why. And here it he goes. It was all a bunch of B.S., and you're getting out, and you never should have been in here. That's all I'm going to tell you. And so he goes, you're, and he goes, and looked around so nobody would see him. He goes, your attorney can find out after you're out. And he went, and that's all he told me. He said it was all BS. And so I'm like, what is going on? So out I go. It comes at 8 o'clock that morning, you know, and that was. Now, I've done read this Bible all the way through. Keep that in mind. You know, I'm in a whole different mind frame right now. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ in there, I, I don't know. I may have hung myself with a. You know, on the on the bars with a piece of the bed sheet. I don't know. It was tough, but um, you know, I just kept praying, 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 and all this happened. I get me out. See, so um, yeah. And on that morning, well, man, I'm sitting there. I cannot. Of course, I didn't sleep all night. Can't wait. And uh, I'm sitting there ringing wet. That morning, it was hot again. And uh, I remember him come down and let me. You know, grab me, took me down there, threw a pair of a white t-shirt, a pair of jeans on. I had my stuff from. Uh, I was put my tennis shoes from the other prison deal and brought them over, gave me that stuff, and checked me out. And they got to go through a big checkout deal, and then they walk you through four four flights of prisoners. And you get out, and you go get whatever's left on your commissary, and then they march you out there, and it was pouring down rain. And uh, when I said, I didn't care. They said, it's raining, you know. I said, I don't care. And they said, yeah, your people's out there. So they was, and anyway, I mean, I ran to that truck and, and uh, jumped in and uh, stopped and got something to eat on the way, and uh, I, I mean, it was like, it was like heaven right there, and that's when, you know, if you don't think God didn't bless that, let it go, so so I'll move past this a little way, so you'll kind of get to farther in what happened. Well, no, no, no. Or no, no if you want to hear that we... later, right, we can, that's fine. Yep, yep, because there's two very important parts of this story left. I know one major, and mm-hmm. next week we'll spend a little bit of time of what it's like to be Jeff Full since all this happened. But there's yeah, a major, right. major part of this story that people yeah. have to hear next right. week. I was just going to spoil parts. that for you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we will jump into that next week. And, and I want to talk about, like I said, I want to talk about what it's like to be Jeff Foles after all this. How people mm-hmm. uh, come up to you and talk to you and interact with you now since all this happened online right so right okay I have enjoyed it Jeff Bill thank you for being here I want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the end of the line podcast powered by DuckSouth.com